When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As possibly bleak as this. Welcome, ladies and gents. Um, we appreciate you for tuning into another episode of Chessie Hour. I am Timson, who will be hosting this episode. I'm here with two very special guests. Um, how are you doing, Jerry? Hey, man. It's good to be back. Um, yeah, my club is in chaos, but. You know, we, we thrive in chaos. You know, it's, it's good to be here recording with you, lovely gentlemen. Good, good. And Free, how you doing, my guy? I'm good, man. The stars have aligned and, you know, I'm, I'm able to come back to make a return to hopefully get some slander off. Not too much sunlight. Good, good. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. So without any further ado, we'll start off with the UEFA Champions League draw. I want to start off with a football topic because there's so much non-football stuff surrounding my surrounding Chelsea Football Club. So uh, we'll talk we'll talk about football first. Um, the Champions League draw um, has pitted us against uh, Real Madrid in the next leg, um, and if we were to be successful, uh, it looks like we'd be playing Man um, Manchester City. Uh, along the way, if they were to be successful in their own rounds. Um, what was your initial thoughts? And I'll go to you first, Free, about the draw and getting Madrid. I mean, to be honest, Madrid itself wasn't um, wasn't the worst possible option for me. Like, I wasn't too bothered about Madrid. I didn't like the run to the final, though, because Madrid, like, they're an obstacle that we've seen before, been there, done that, and that's old territory. The run to the final does look a little bit, uh, a little bit gruesome, to be honest. I think our run to the final, if we, if if we make it, is is probably the toughest one out of the clubs that uh, that that are in still. So yeah, that's not necessarily Madrid because we've been we've been there, we've done that. And honestly, 
I maybe thought, oh, Madrid, they're tough, right? But then watching Barcelona tear them to shreds, wow, that took a, a, a weight off my, off my back. And I was like, oh, word. Here's me thinking that, you know, Benzema might, you know, be able to do the magic again, yeah? But yeah, man, even though, if even without Benzema, Mm, the way that they got just the, the, the scoreline just sounds a bit just just sounds a bit mad. It doesn't sound like a team that you can fear because obviously they're Real Madrid and we've seen, we just saw them play PSG and they did a, a wonderful job, even a scary job, especially in that second leg. But yeah, man, after watching them get tear apart by by Barcelona, mm, I can't like I could feel you only so much after after you just get destroyed by Barcelona because that Barcelona team, that's not the team that you let destroy you. Like even if you lose, yeah, you lose. They get lucky. But destroy? Nah, come on. That's that. You can't be taken ser- too seriously after that. That's how. That's how I feel about it, man. I hear you. I hear you. Um, in regards to the Barcelona fixture, it was very shocking. Um, I was expecting a tight KG affair, but they were literally blown apart. And I know Benzema was missing, and this Real Madrid side are a completely different team without uh, Karim Benzema in it. But at the same time. Um, they had Kareem Benzema in the team when we beat them last last season. And even though they beat PSG with an incredible comeback, courtesy of your man, um, Kareem the Dream, he still kind of, um, I, still, I still can't see them uh, beating Chelsea without help because even PSG, Neymar gave the ball away. Donnarumma made um, a crucial mistake in the build-up to, to a goal as well. So PSG hurt hurt themselves as much as Real Madrid hurt them. Um, so and I don't think Chelsea's the type of team to give away that many chances, um, whether it's at home or away from home, for this team to capitalize. Jerry, what's your take on the situation? Well, um I've kind of been following loosely um Madrid's sort of form this season and uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not worried. Um, for me, I think we have a team that, when, when, when the pressure is on, when the, it seems like when we play to a level of the opposition. So when it's time to raise it, we can raise it. Um, and as good as Madrid have been in La Liga this season, um, you got to remember this is La Liga. Um, I think their closest challenges were maybe I think was it Sevilla. Um, Barca and Atletico Madrid um, haven't been able to mount um, as strong a challenge as as in in, in recent years and let's not forget while in moments they were brilliant against um, PSG to to, to make it through to the stage for almost 60-70% of that match um, they were poor, they were outplayed um, they lost the midfield battle and um, Verratti was running the show. So I think if you're coming up against just one guy in Verratti um, who does well um, against you, then I, I think with Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic, um, Loftus-Cheek, whichever variation of that midfield we play, um, I think we've got enough to, to give them a real problem. And, and as we've seen, um, you need one, you need more than one attacker on song to, to get past the shots defence. Um, I wouldn't say we're as resolute and as watertight as last year, but um, I think we're a team that is, we're in, we're in a good vein of form. Um, the, the lads will have confidence going into this game. And I think if we can 
carry on playing the same way we are, solid, um, solid enough at the back, um, and our attackers starting to find some form. Um, I think we can give them a tough time. I think currently they've got um, Alaba and uh, Adam Militao, who have formed a good partnership at the centre of defence. Um, so it's just whether we can get at that. Um, I think down. I'm not. I'm not sure what the situation is with with Ferland Mendy. Um, I think he's out. That's why Nacho played the left back against Barca. But listen, I think I think this is a team that can be got at. I think if you take away the name uh, and you look at them as, as just the team that they are, um, I'm not. I'm not scared at all. Especially with Thiago Silva, man. I feel like Thiago Silva on form. Yeah, it's gonna to be tough to beat us, man. He's he's been he's done a lot of heavy lifting recently, man. Absolutely. Um, I feel is like it, is it heavy lifting? Is, is this guy just glides through games. Yeah, no, he's he, he's it's honestly honestly like when I when we signed him, I thought he's gonna be a good signing. But I never in my wildest dreams would I imagine him to be like it. It would appear I don't know if he's always been this this level. It would appear that he's getting better, man. Like honestly, like. This season, he's better than he was last season. Like he just doesn't seem to be look to look like he's aging at all. It looks like he's aging backwards, man. It's crazy. Really, really he's... happy with the signing. Thiago Silva is younger than it. Thiago Silva is older than Wayne Rooney, and that's just mad. Wayne is, like, <laughs> done. Wayne is full on. Wayne Wayne looks like Wayne looks like a seasoned manager at this point, and Thiago Silva is just. Yeah, he's he's just looking evergreen. That's crazy. Um, and the back three system obviously allows for that because he doesn't have to um, kind of constantly mark a defender, constantly mark a, an attacker. He kind of just has to do what he what his years of experience has given him uh, an ability to read the game and just kind of suss out danger. He did it excellently in the last game and um, the game against Burnley, he was excellent as well, just kind of um, being at the right place at the right time so many times, um, not even just those games, but just throughout the season. Um, my thing with Real Madrid is the midfield. Tony Cruz and um, Luka Modric, just are, they're just not keeping up with a Kante who's in the mood, honestly, and the Mason Mount with energy and Vim. Now, do you then put someone, uh, do you then switch it up? Do you then put in a Freddy Valverde or do you put in, um, oh, I forget his name. What's the midfielder that the, the French, Camavinga. Camavinga. Do you then throw, do you, do you then throw Camavinga into it? But Odds are there's a good chance you'll see a cover or a Jorginho just kind of use experience and guard to kind of cause him problems that he's not yet experienced in his young career. So I don't know how um, Ancelotti sets up his midfield. And if he does set it up one way, I feel like we have a world-class manager that's able to be fluid enough to change the system on the fly to kind of debunk any initial starting system Ancelotti comes with. Um, because yeah, when it comes to these tactics uh, in this current system of football with high pressing energy movement, uh, Ancelotti is lacking the personnel in midfield, and I'm not sure, um, he's got the he's got the ability at this point in time to change his tactics so fluidly throughout a 90 minute game. What's your take? What do you think? Uh, free. Ancelotti, Ancelotti likes to keep it likes to keep it simple, man. I I, I have a strong feeling that he's just gonna go with his tried and tested midfield generals. And like you said, they're just not gonna they're not gonna have the legs for it, man. They're knackered. 
I feel like they might be knackered already, man. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they don't, they don't uh, rest too much in this international break, yeah, man. Because if if not, but well, even if they do, man, it's gonna be interesting to see how we set up. Because uh, either way, we set up, it's gonna be a long night for those boys. But um, yeah, I feel like with Kovacic, it's gonna be even longer. But with Jorginho, maybe we're a bit more solid defensively because he's a little bit better than Kovacic is defensively. But yeah, Kante on a good day, it's yeah, it's gonna be long for them, man. Very, very long. Uh, Jerry, also, what do you think? Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I would actually start, I'd probably start Cover because Cover's probably got that motivation. Like, this is the team that didn't see me, that saw me as surplus to requirements. I'm coming back as a European champion, even though I've won it three times here in a, in a, in a, in a rotation role. I would, I think Cover would be on it at the Bernabeu. That's a good point. I do, I do love. Play, when players play against the old team, man, it brings back the romance, man, the romance of football. Because they always love to show, they, there's a little bit of extra energy, a little bit of extra anger that that, mean, that makes them want to show out, man. So, yeah, I do agree. But the problem, well, the issue that I have with that is if Kovacic starts, then I feel like um, then you have to start Kovacic and Jorginho. And I, because I feel like Kante off the bench sometimes takes a while to get the rhythm of the game. So I, if, if we're going to, if, if he's going to start, I prefer him to start, but then I'm not sure that um that Kante and Kovacic is our best midfield duo. I feel like, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, in fact, I think I think tactically it's going to be interesting because if you look at how Madrid played in the in the first leg against PSG, they kind of sat sat in, uh, played compact, and um against Barcelona I think I think they tried to push a bit higher um and, and they got exposed so it'd be interesting to see if Ancelotti is going to go back to you know that especially in the first leg um keeping it compact um I think he said recently about um playing on the counter-attack um that he's you know why wouldn't you play on the counter when you've got a player like with, with the pace of Vinicius um the hold-up play of a uh, link-up play of, of Benzema um, and I think we excelled last season um, when they came uh, either on the counter or they came and pressed us and we, we cut through their press and there was a lot of space in behind them. Um, I mean, coming off that experience against Barcelona, I don't think um, for that first leg, I think he's going to go more cautious um, and we're going to have to try and break them down. Um, so I think with that in mind, if 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 Reese James is available um, for for that game, I think we can. I think we have enough. Um, obviously, the, the left wing back um, area is, is a worry. Um, if we do go with a four at the back, I can see Tuchel using that to uh, get Ziyech into the team. Um, maybe going with Ziyech Havertz uh, Pulisic or Ziyech Havertz Mount. Um, Mount Mount is playing himself in some form, so it's going to be interesting to see what formation we go with. Because as much as Tuchel has used this four three three this season, I don't I don't I don't know if he's gone with it in any of the big games. Um, I don't know if I'll call Spurs a big game, but he can he's got options, um, and at least now we have more than one attacker who's playing like a actual professional footballer. So. Um, I think that the, the tactical aspect, I, I'm interested to see how, how we start, whether we dominate play um, and try and break them down or whether it's, it's them pressing us or and, and we play on the counter. Um, I think if, 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 I, if I was to pick one of the two, um, I'd go for, you know, staying compact and tight. 
which Tuchel's tend to do in the bigger games and look to, um, you know, expose them on the counter. Um, I think that that game against um, Lille was sort of an insight into into Tuchel's mentality because I think when he when he's faced with a safe option, um, he just wanted to see the game out and get through. That's why he played the midfield free to make us more compact and, and solid in the field. So I think I think he'll he'll maybe he might do similar here, um, knowing that obviously there's two legs to go, um, and we're we're solid enough to to not not concede in the first leg, which I think is at home, um, and take take the game to them away where we can we can hit them on the counter. So. Um, it's going to be an interesting tactical battle. And of course, if we get through, um, I believe we have either City or... Is it City or... Who's the, who's the other team? Atletico. Atletico, City or Atletico. So um, if we get through, of course, we've got another tough match. But um, I'm, I'm, I listen, either way, I'm confident in Tuchel. Um, and hopefully we'll have new owners by then, which will... Uh, settle the the noise around the club a little bit for sure uh we'll leave it there in regards to the uefa champions league and real madrid tie and we will move on to the state of the club the uk government uh has amended chelsea's license to allow them to buy uh to allow fans to buy tickets under the new license supporters will be able to purchase tickets of away to to away matches with visiting fans also able to attend matches at Stamford Bridge. The club cannot sell tickets to Premier League home games with only season ticket holders able to attend those fixtures. Um, The government's licence allows Chelsea to act as an agent with regards to ticket selling, with funds raised to be transferred to a permitted third party defined as relevant bodies or another club who may keep the proceeds of any sales. So um, long and short, we won't be facing kind of a lack of fan support in um, away fixtures at home. We'll still have uh, diminished attendance uh, with only obviously season ticket holders able to come. But obviously away fans will be able to buy tickets and attend those games. But the Chelsea force at Stamford Bridge won't be um, won't be at optimum level, obviously, with even with the amendments. So um what do you think about uh, the government's handling of this situation in regards to um, sanctions going down at Chelsea and their lack and, and their flexibility in regards to easing the um, easing amending the license? I'll start with you, Jerry. Um, like everything with this government, it's just confusion and nothing makes sense. Um, seems to be the way. Um, where from the start of this, these sanctions, I've just I've been kind of confused about what their intentions were, um, or I've I've been kind of confused about you know the, the motives behind the moves they've made because initially this um, this the sanctions, um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, technically, Chelsea is an asset of Abramovich, and if you want to stop him, um, you know being able to access any of his assets in the UK, a sanction makes sense. Um, freezing the club's assets makes sense. But what I what I don't understand is that the, the lack of foresight um, into, you know, well, okay, now we've sanctioned Abramovich. How are we going to 
how are Chelsea going to operate? Because for me, as as much as Roman Bravich is the owner of Chelsea, and technically legally it's his, uh, there are certain there are certain parts of Chelsea that do not belong to him. Um, ultimately, it's a community asset. Um, it's asset to the, the the Premier League. It's asset to the country. Um, so, in as much as he's the custodian of the club, you have to think about how the the sanctions are going to affect Chelsea. And you know, maybe maybe it was a power player to say, okay, we've got all the control now, so you're going to have to sell. Maybe that was the intention to force him to sell. But uh, why not come in with with sanctions that that made sense from the beginning? Um, it seems that they they went in for the sanctions and thought, okay wow okay now we have to actually we have to actually Chelsea has to run so we've got thousands of people who depend on this club um as a source of income how how are we gonna how are we gonna work this out and then they entered into negotiations with the club but the moves that they have made since then just don't make sense um so for the for the FA Cup game um we're only allowed to sell 600 tickets if you're worried about you know, the money going back to Bramvich. If that's your actual goal, if that's the aim to stop the money going back to Bramvich, first of all, the club's accounts are frozen. Second of all, I'm sure Chelsea wouldn't have cared if you gave all the the proceeds to Middlesbrough. Just let the fans into the game. Let the fans uh, attend the game because it makes sense. What is the motivation for stopping fans from attending games? If it's the money, then we can easily work something out. Um, As much as we're in... Um, the, the coffers are a bit tight right now. We're not a club that really needs that one or two free game income. Um, you don't need it like that. Um, so if the intention is to stop the money flowing to Abramovich, then the accounts are frozen. So why are the fans still not in the game? Um, why, why are the fans not able to attend the games? You can buy tickets and the proceeds go to pick a name out of a hat, a charity for the victims of uh, the, 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 the Russian invasion, um, any Tom, Dick and Harry down the road into the government. I don't, it doesn't matter, but it seems it, the, 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 the intention to, to, to sanction the brand rich and the actions that the government are taking just don't make sense for me. So um, I've been watching this whole process kind of baffled um, as to what, what, um, what, what the issue is, why, why the special license doesn't allow for certain things and it does for others. The the thirty million that Abramovich can inject into the club um, to keep it to keep it running um, that makes no sense as well. Um, if you're going to sanction someone, you don't let them inject money into the club. So it's just it's just very confusing. Um, as as is everything with this government, um, it's just been a, a confusing thing from from head to tail, and I just can't wait for this to be over. No, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, this government uh very much uh confusing as per but also very reactive because for all pretty much um the entirety up until this part of Abramovich's ownership his ties where his money's come from um in regards to the Premier League and UK politics um hasn't mattered um in regards to football uh but now because it's in a kind of um, it's in direct conflict with the UK government um, at this moment in time, uh, they've re- reactively jumped on sanctions, and um, I don't think they've been done with um, forth with a lot of foresight in mind. Um, 
free, what do you think? Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Because I guess the reason, a lot of the reasons of why things happen is because of like optics. Like a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, the Saudi bit, we, sh- we shouldn't accept their money, we shouldn't accept their money. But like the UK government can't, can't say that. They can't make up rules about when they're going to accept someone's money and when they're not going to accept someone's money. You can't have a make a moral stand about something for one and for one thing, but then in te- on 10 other different different uh, occurrences, you, you're kind of quiet and you don't have any moral qualms when you're trying to buy other things or doing other business with that country. So, and also because of the Newcastle situation where there was kind of like a bit of buzz, but it's like actually really, we, we can't really make too much of a fuss because we actually kind of need these guys, especially post-Brexit. We really kind of need all the help we can get. And I think that's a lot of the reason why they didn't make too much of a fuss with Abramovich because you can say, oh, Abramovich, we shouldn't have let him, they shouldn't let him buy a, a football club. But there's lots of other Russian oligarchs and lots of other Russian money buying up lots of other things in, in the UK. And they because they don't say anything then, they kind of put themselves in a position where it's like, oh, well, actually, what can you really say? Like, they're, they're, I was just reading the other day about how um, one, of the, one of the Russian oligarchs' daughter bought her house in London, four million cash. Four million cash. She's 21 years old. And it's like... Uh, and they were, they were saying that, like, uh, the reason why that they know the money is bent is because I think it was, I think she's like Lavrov's, like, uh, the, the daughter of Lavrov's, of Lavrov's girlfriend. And they were like, her, this is her mother. Her father is, you know, a regular person with a regular job. Where did, she's 21 years old. Where did this four million cash come from? And obviously, these are questions that they don't want, they can't, they don't, they, they don't want to ask. They don't want to ask. And because they're not asking when it comes for them to buy property and other things, when it comes to Abramovich owning a football club, you can say, oh, actually, well, you know, you, you can only make up a, so much of a fuss. And for me, the, the issue with, um, with like, the, this, this ticket, the ticket deal is just a lack of clarity from the government because it's like, obviously, there's a reason that they have for why they're not letting Chelsea sell tickets. And it may not even be about um, sanctioning Abramovich. It may not be a money thing. But there is a reason and they've just been really, really poor at communicating that reason. Like, I don't know that reason. There seems to be lots of like plausible and logical explanations and, and solutions to the issue they have about, oh, you know, we don't want Chelsea to, to earn money from, uh, from that, from, from whatever, from selling tickets, whatever. That's fair enough. But what's the reason why you're not letting them like give tickets away or, 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 or use the money for other things? Or why don't you, why don't you take the money? Where does the money get? Like, there's lots of other solutions that will allow fans in the in the stadium, and clearly there is a reason. Like it's 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 not an accident that uh, that there's that fans are not being allowed in Stamford Bridge. There's a reason, and they just have been really poor at communicating that. So it appears that's like some type of targeted or some type of you know uh, grievance that they have with the football club. That then, but they, but they don't. It's not one that they really want to to share with with everyone, which is kind of like annoying because it's like, hey, uh, as fans of the football club, kind of want to know why you're saying that. You know, we can't have, we're going to be at a diff, we have to be at a disadvantage for us this season because you're not asking for us to get docked points, are you? That's not like like what, what's the what's the reason? What's the motives? Honestly, um, I completely agree. Uh... Obviously, Boris Johnson has said there's concrete and irrefutable evidence of ties to um, Putin via Abramovich, um, but this is a man who said a lot of things that's um, been debunked. 
and um, you just kind of wait for the facts to come out and hope that um, the situation is resolved accordingly. And um, you just hope that um, whoever becomes the new owner of the club uh, is does um, does what does whatever is needed for the best interest of the club instead of kind of football as a seeing the football club as um, a business a business asset uh, and a business and an asset to make money because Abramovich uh, very much so pretty much annually stuck his hand in his pocket um, and at the beginning spent a lot of money to get us to um, close the gap on the teams uh, at the top of the table when he first took over. So, yeah. yeah and they, then, they, they, say, they say that the only way to make a small fortune in football is to start with a big one, man. That should be the attitude of any owner who comes into to, to the football club. I hear that. That that just makes, that, that, sound, that sounds so wise. Um, in regards to ownership, it seems like um, there's been some kind of early rejections um, by the sound of it. Um, the, Nick Can- the Nick Candy Consortium has uh, kind of dropped out, um, well, been rejected, essentially. They've um, not been successful with the Saudi media group by the sounds of it. Um, so it's looking like it's going to be one of the, it's going to be Ted Burley, um, and I think the Ricketts family have also been um, are, are looking unlikely to uh, proceed as well in regards to making the shortlist. Um, of those three, the Ricketts family, um, Nick Candy and the Saudi media group, are there any that you're kind of um, upset to see not progress, happy to see not progress, or is there a level of indifference? Um, and did it make sense for perhaps the Saudi media group to not to, to not progress? Uh, Jerry? Um, you know what, the word indifference, I'm going to take it further and say apathy, because <clears throat> I don't really... I'm not really invested in any of these these guys. Um, I'm not really sure what the future is going to look like with with either of them. And at this point, I'm not really sure anyone does actually. You know, I think people are kind of going off feelings um, and vibes and kind of assumptions a little bit. So for me, uh, I'm I'm just going to leave it at this. I don't really care who you are. Um, I just, I just need to see the, the the blue flag flying high in it. So, I think I've through the whole process, I've just kind of been seeing the names that have popped up, and you know, like um, it, it was a funny, a funny week or two where everyone was comparing, <laughs> comparing net worths on Twitter um, and talking about people with uh, 2.5, 3.5 billion being broke. Uh, but hey, that's that's a story for another day. Um, I just I just I just feel like for me, um, whatever's best for the club. Um, we we don't have the information um, that the Rain Merchant Bank do. Um, so we there's nothing we can do but leave it in their hands. Um, and then that, that's all I've got to say. I'm rather rather indifferent. I mean, yeah. I, Either way, not too bothered. It's going to be some rich bastard, so whichever one it is, as long as they don't uh, put themselves in the spotlight too much, I'll be happy, man. Like, as long as... Because they're going to be some type of sick individual committed some level of 
criminal or unrespectable. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if that's the word unrespectable or whatever. Yeah, you say there's no such thing as an ethical billionaire anyway. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's going to be some unscrupulous character. So, as look, I prefer, I like my unscrupulous characters when they're like in the shadows. It's like, oh yeah, I know he's a bastard, but I don't actually know the details. You know, you can kind of, you can kind of just be like, oh yeah, I'm sure he did. He did sign somewhere, but you know, nobody knows for sure. As long as I don't want to be one of the one of the ones that are in the spotlight and they're doing, uh, they're doing up interviews. Matt Law exclusives. I don't want to see none of that. I definitely don't want to see no exclusives with um any of the, the like. Can you imagine like a, one of the other podcasts getting an or, or, an, or an American podcast getting an exclusive with the owner? Oh, that'd be the worst, man. Just having to deal, just having to deal with with hearing just the connections form for like the new American Chelsea network, and yeah, just just. People being put in the spotlight for nonsense. Yeah, man, I, I want them to be quiet in the background. I don't want to hear their opinions. I just want to hear that they cough up money and that's it, man. Yeah, I've kind of stopped kind of almost even not caring, but kind of um, stressing myself or putting energy into um, keeping up to date with the ownership status. There's no point stressing about things that, uh, in my opinion, are out of our control. So um, I'll kind of... I'll kind of self-actualize when a decision is made and there's an official, officially a new owner in the club. And those conversations on Twitter about calling billionaires broke because they've only got two or three billion in the bank, is, are, are, those were actually quite hilarious because a large percentage of those people who are calling billionaires broke will be flipping their sofa cushions, digging for any spare chains to go home, to, to go to the local corner shop and... Um, top up their gas meter just to get uh, just to get some heat for the winter with these in it, with these rising energy prices. They're so, saying that's what the single digit billionaires are doing too, man. It's getting crazy out here. It's yeah, it's scary. It's scary. Like even probably those single digit billionaires, they're not um, they they're, they're not like scrounging for spare change in the sofa in the sofa cushions to kind of get the gas meter off their necks, but um, they're probably insulating their their mansions at least. Do you know what I mean? Trying yeah, to make, yeah, they, trying to make sure that trying to make sure trying to make it harder for the heat to escape. They installed those solar panels already, man. Them them solar panels are already starting to, to pay themselves off, man. For sure, for sure. Um, so we'll move on to kind of like the miscellaneous section. And um, one thing that I want to kind of bring up um, in this international break is what's wrong with Gareth Southgate? Why is he calling up Reese James? Um, even as a formality, why why is he calling up Reese James when England probably have its uh, deepest crop of right backs in probably since my since since my since my birth um, that I can recall? Probably in history, um, man. The guy's a numpty, man. That's the only explanation. He's just he's just a numpty. He's just not very bright, man. That's 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 all it can be. But it just doesn't make sense. And we knew this already, right? Because every time, even when we reached the final, everyone was surprised. There was not a single person, even though. Everyone's always like, oh, yeah, football's coming and football's coming. And not a single person expected us to be in that final. Even Gareth himself was like, oh, man, I can't believe it. So just, just the fact that we, reached, that, we re- that we reached that far, people afterwards were like, oh, actually, no, Gareth's the right, the right guy for the job. Clearly, he's got the, he's got the brains for it. He's, he's calculated. He makes the smart decisions. Gareth had no idea, had no idea he was, he was going to find himself in a final. 
he had absolutely no clue. He was the most surprised out of everyone. And and he just keeps making just, just silly, silly decisions. All that's why that's why I just prefer just sometimes just to not look because it's like, oh gosh. Gareth's going to be doing some, every single time he picks a team, there's always some stupid decision. And obviously, there are some like borderline decisions where people, people can be like, oh, you should have called up this guy. Somebody has to miss out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on now. Some, some of the people that are missing out is all the people that are calling up. This don't make no sense. It's just not adding up. And, and it's, it's not like a, a, once, a, a once every so often issue. Every single time he picks a squad or he, or, or yeah, every single time he just, he doesn't, had some brain dead decisions, really, really silly, really, really silly decisions, and I think maybe he was just doing it as a as a show of of support and saying, "Oh yeah, Reece James would have been called up." But then the problem is, right? That you don't need to. You could just say that. Like, there's no need for you to call actual. You can say, "Oh yeah, Reece James misses out because of his injury." There's no need for you to be. Like, oh, we're gonna try to have Reece James out here. So what's the point? Like, do you, do you see him playing? Like, there's no point in calling up people that are not playing football. There's literally no point. It doesn't make no sense. You just don't need to do it. And and it's really simple to find out if a player is playing football because you just call the football club and say, hey, look, is this guy fit? And they'll tell you yes or no. Yeah, that's my ideal scene. Uh, national manager on a good, has a good relationship with the, with the club manager, calls him, says to Tuchel, how's Reese doing? Would he benefit from training with us? Or um, would his, is his rehabilitation better served at Chelsea? Even in situations where players coming back from match fitness and you say, uh, would he benefit from getting a couple of minutes here? We can put him on like a 25, 30 minute uh, minutes restriction. But um, um, before I kick it to you, Jerry, um, I just want to pose a question to you. Um, obviously, there's some uproar in regards to selection. He's picked some players that have historically done well for England. Um, I'm talking about Harry Maguire, uh, but who isn't in the best form at the moment. I've long since accepted that um, there's different elements as to why you pick a squad. You cannot pick a squad entirely based on form. You cannot pick a squad entirely based on reputation. You cannot um, entirely pick a squad based on um, past performances for for your national teams specifically. I feel like there's a collection and there's probably other elements that come into it as well. I would rather my manager just, I'd rather a manager comes out and accepts that. Uh, to some extent, Southgate did say that, that uh, um, Maguire and co have done well in England shirts and to drop them would be, um, would be tough given how well they play for England. Uh, Jerry, how do you feel about that? Um, for me, uh I've I've sort of made my peace with the way Southgate selects his squad. Um, I think if you listen to him speak, a lot of the time he speaks about you know the personality of of, of the players, the the group. Um, the, the, and I think there's been a few times where I can't remember which player it was, but so he he called up someone who was injured. Um, and he he justified it by saying, you know, I still want them there, you know to form part of the group identity and, you know, um, you know, conti- continue to form that group bond. Um, and, you know, a lot of the players have spoken about um, how they can't wait to go to England um, and how they feel that there's no club um, sort of club divides. And maybe this stems from the history of the England squad. I think it's been well documented. Uh, it, 
back in the days of you know Gerard uh, Beckham Lampard that kind of era um, how how sort of divided the squad was I think that the, the culture of, of English people um, or the culture of England tends to value you know personality and character um, quite 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 a bit um, and and you can see that in the, the influence of his you can see that influence in his decisions. Um, I, I agree with you in that you can't pick a squad completely just you know can't pick the bit the, just the informed players or pick um the the best technical players um it, it's all a balance and you know the 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 weighting that that Southgate gives to you know that community side of of the game um in standing by players like Maguire who struggled to form um that might be different from from what I feel as a fan but um, you've got to remember that. Listen, he sees he sees the players um, every day, and he he wants to win. So um, that's just that's just the way he thinks uh, is best to do it. And we have more than enough talent than we have more than enough talent to to do well. Um, what whichever squad he picks, I think ninety percent of the the teams that we go up against, well, we should beat. For me, the the worry is that he hasn't seemed to found a, a mixture of players that can actually play well throughout a tournament. Um, it, it's more of a battle of attrition than, 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 than any good football. Um, so, I mean, that, that may be the reason why he called up uh, Reese um, just to, you know, uh, just to be there, um, just to kind of not, miss out on on the the squad bonding if you will and you know you, you don't know maybe maybe Reese might might um might value that they might be working on on certain tactical setups for the world cup and he might benefit from just being there kind of seeing what they're working on so he doesn't have to play catch up um I'd, i i listen I, I, in terms of gareth southgate you can pick whatever players you want. Um, you just have to justify it on the pitch. And he he went some way to doing that in the Euros. Um, I don't think we played particularly well in many of the games. Um, we're not a particularly good team to watch. Um, but if that's how you want to get it done, it's your job that's on the line, not mine. So uh, for me, I, listen, I don't agree with some of the decisions he's made. Um, I... I, 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 I don't really go out of my way to watch England unless it's a, a tournament. But um, I just think this is the this is the manager that we've picked. This is the one we've gone with. So we're going to have to hold that. Um, we're going to have to 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 uh, to to, to ex- accept these decisions. Um, and yeah, I, I, where if if we were to replace him, if we were to go in a different direction, uh, my question is like where do you go from here? Like, who, who who do you think is a better alternative? I just want him... One thing I'd say, one thing I'd task him with is just, just fix the midfield um, because it's it's not great at the moment and we have a raft of talented midfielders. Yeah. Um, all right. Southgate, I don't think he's anyone's ideal England manager, but at the same time, um, I grew up at a time where it was all about having a foreign manager at the time of Svenger and Ericsson. Um, 
Steve McLaren and the merry-go-round that was the England job at a time. He's kind of taken it and um, for say what you will, but he's um, he, he's found success in regards to taking us deep into major tournaments. So, um, and bringing through youngsters. So he's kind of, I feel like he's got the trust of the FA and he will be the man at the will unless England have these embarrassing results that I don't think, um, that I think the golden generation used to have. And because we're not, we don't exactly have a golden generation at the moment, definitely not comparable to like Euro 2004. I think um, results and defeats will be, um, won't be as scrutinised. Now we'll leave it there in regards to the England and we'll just quickly finish on kind of um, some kind of transfer gossip. Um, obviously shocking uh, that in, that Italy have failed to qualify. Just, just quickly, do you want to touch on the Middlesbrough game at all? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we can quickly touch on the Middlesbrough game. Uh, Free, what were your thoughts on the Middlesbrough game? Honestly, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't love it, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess when when you when you play like a, a lower opposition, it's always difficult to uh, to really get the to get to. See that you do. I don't feel that the players really get into the same rhythm that they do when they play top quality comp, comp, uh, competition. But I'm not sure if that's um, a motivation thing, or it's just that the the styles are so different. Because maybe when you play Middlesbrough, they'll be more direct, or when you play when you, like when you play lower league teams, generally they they have like a style that they're using because they're playing because of the, the golfing quality. Whereas when you play with a team that are at a high level, they have their own like style that is maybe a bit more regular and a bit more because that's what you play more regularly it's a bit easier to deal with but in the end generally quality is just the difference and i didn't really feel that we were ever in deep water so yeah it was just kind of like kind of kind of kind of not a surprise good to see that you know players like ziek who's you know had a little injury could come back and and score a lovely goal good to see that lukaku scored because, yeah, he's, he's been sitting on that bench. Um, and it, uh, I guess Mason Mount had another good game, so that's good for him to build up his confidence. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's a surprise because, you know, he's... Um, people, love to, people are counting up his open play assist, which is something that, you know, they've not been able to do for him ever. So I'm just really enjoying watching them just like going, oh, it's an open play. Oh, another open play. What is that? Oh, that was open play. So yeah, it's it's really nice that he's given you know those fans time to celebrate because they've not they've really not had the opportunity to say open play and Mason Mount in the same sentence without it being like sarcasm or, or a joke. So uh, just just quickly, uh, Timson, uh, freemium. I, I've 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 been led to believe uh, from the group chat that that you are, you know, you were in support of Lukaku. Um, I, I just want to get your assessment of his, his. Uh, I mean, his his struggles have been well documented. Documented, but what what would you think about him going forward? Do you, do you think uh, he can um, get back into the team, or do you think? I mean, ultimately, uh, a ninety-seven million pound striker um, on the bench uh, coming in for FA Cup games just isn't going to work. So, what 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 would you? I'm curious to get your opinion of him. Yeah, man, I'm definitely a big Lukaku fan. Uh, when when we were linked to him, I said if we're gonna get a striker, I think that's a that's that's a top quality option because <clears throat> I didn't. I a striker was definitely not my priority. I wanted I wanted Grealish, but yeah, he's a, he's definitely a top quality striker. We just really struggled 
to to get the best out of him. And I guess he struggled with confidence as well, which, which is, yeah, the kind of devastating thing for a striker to suffer with. And we've done this to a lot of strikers now, so it's getting a bit, um, a bit worrying. I guess maybe being a striker is a bit more of the a confidence dependent, a confidence dependence role. And he doesn't seem to be playing with confidence. I think a lot of a lot of the slander that he gets is a bit overdone. But um, obviously, because you you he, he you can't really just have the the range of performances that he's had. Like if you're going to be bad, be bad, but like don't be terrible. You can't you can't be terrible. And he's had a few games where he's been terrible. And that has just overweighed and kind of overpowered any of his good performances. But it's definitely not, um, I don't think it's a, a him issue, like as many, as many other people believe. Um, a lot of our strike, a lot of our attack, attacking players been like headers and we struggle to be direct at times. But sometimes, especially, you know, when you come for the, the field you come for, you need to, um, yeah, you need to, you need to just put, put a bit on your shoulders, man. You need to just put, put, put the, demand the ball and put put that put put everything on your back and, and make something happen for yourself and he's not been able to do that and he's been uh struggle like the struggles to get on the ball have been have been difficult because realistically if you're not getting the ball that's something that you're not doing right and I always say this when when I saw other because like one thing that you know I love to like I really enjoy slandering Mount but you can never slander that the fact that he's always open and wanting the ball. He always wants the ball and always gets it. And when, when I watch other players play, Pulisic or, or Cho, there's there's this, there's this a part of me that's like, oh man, like, yeah, you did like a little good action here. You did a little good thing here, but you're really not involved enough. And that's your fault. Because if you want to be involved, you'll be involved. You can demand the ball. People will give you the ball. It's just a matter of you being in space and people knowing that they can trust you with the ball. And Lukaku, maybe like the space thing for me isn't an issue because he doesn't need to beat like he can you can pass him the ball and he can hold off the defender, but he needs the he needs the ball more often and he's not, he's not got it and he's not demanded enough. He seems to be content with you know trying to be a fox in the box kind of striker. And honestly, a fox in the box striker is great, but you don't pay ninety seven million for a fox in the box. That, that's that's not what that's not what that, that's not what the money's for. Um, can he play himself back into the team? I think he can. Mainly because he doesn't face that tough. His the competition that he faces isn't that tough. Uh, we're not going to play Werner. Werner's pretty much out of it because this is his second season of being terrible. So he's not gonna he's not gonna be his competition. Havertz is in a good ro- uh, run of form right now. So yeah, as long as his run of form continues, you're not going to be in, you're not going to be able to play your way back in the team. But as soon as that stops, or if he were to revert back to the Havertz we had at the beginning of the season. Then yeah, Lukaku can find himself back in the team, but then it'll be up to him to, to stay in the team. Can he do it? I definitely think he can because you know he's a student of the game. He's someone who really, really, really loves the game. He 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 studies the game all the time and he's always looking to improve and his connections with you know other people that are like that, similar, like Henri and Jogba, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. For sure, he put him in a good position to um to improve and to develop. But the question the question is, is you know. How much like the, the clock is ticking? How much time do you have to to do that? It could. I don't. I don't see him leaving. Like a lot of people think we're gonna sell him, but I don't see him leaving just because. Like the the money. Like how how, how do you sell something that costs ninety seven million when you you're not gonna like you're not getting the money back? Is can you really afford to take a loss at this moment? And like how much of a loss are you gonna take? Because you can say, oh okay, we'll take a loss, but if you can't sell him for seventy million, you can't sell him for sixty million. How much of a loss are you gonna take? 
it, it, it gets to a point where it, where, it becomes, where it becomes unthinkable. I think we signed it for 97 million on, was it a five-year contract? Yeah. So the values uh, amortised uh, over five years and um, I, I don't believe we paid the full sum. So we're, I think we're still paying Inter um, in instalments. So, you know, like, this this student of the game that you claim that he is Professor Lukaku, who has studied under the tutelage of uh, one of the greatest to ever do it in Henri. Um, he is also studied under uh, Chelsea lender, a legend Drogba. Um, for me, listen, a couple tap ins are, are not enough for me. Um, it's, it's you know it's something that people are saying. Um, it brings me back to the, the the Mendy situation in the cup final um, where everyone expected him to, to, to be in the penalty shootout because he, he was a fantastic in the game. Um, for me, it's, it's process. It's about the process um, over everything. So if you, if the, if the process or the 30, 40 games of evidence that we have um, are showing one thing, I'm not, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna change my mind just because he scored a tap in here and he looks looks a bit better um, than than he has recently. Um, yeah, some of it is due to uh, down to confidence, but even even when he was playing his best um, or playing his best football for Chelsea, um, it was still a square peg <clears throat> in a round hole. And um, he might not leave this summer. He might not leave next. But I think I don't think he'll he'll have the, the career that he wants at Chelsea, and you know he could turn it around because um, Havertz has started to turn it around, Ziyech has started to turn it around. So it's not without it's not um, out of the realms of possibility. But there would have to be a fundamental change in number one the way we play, um, and number two the way he's integrated into the squad. And um, with Havertz rise to form, I think it's opened everyone's eyes to the fact that we don't actually need Lukaku. Um, I think that's the most dangerous thing for him. If it gets to a stage where we don't need him, um, he's just an expensive second striker. And at that point, um, the the situation really is untenable. Um, so do you, do you take the loss or do you keep paying his wages and have a player that's unhappy? I guess. I mean, I guess. I, I, I think I think you're stuck paying his wages and having a player that's unhappy because he's not gonna. I, I don't think that, I don't think there's an option for him going anywhere. But at the same time, I don't I, I don't see it as um, an untenable situation just because even like even if we don't play him, we're still gonna have issues in in, a, in the attack. Like our attack is, is 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 really a weak point in our team, mainly because of, of personnel. But um, and I feel like I feel like Havertz does not resolve that issue, and his under like. Apart from his, um, apart from like a few a few games, his actual overall, his 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 overall stats are not bad. Like he's he's overperforming his xG, his xA is good. He he he, even though he doesn't um get lots of the ball, when he does get the ball, he always manages to to set up a chance for someone else. So his like his fundamentals aren't as bad as 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 maybe it would appear, but um. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see him going anywhere, and it depends all on on how on if Havertz can keep up. Because obviously, if Havertz becomes a you know twenty five goals a season striker, then you don't really need us another a second option. 
and I think, Lukaku I think that, become. That, that, that's the big if. Um, and obviously, for the rest of the season, we're, we're going to see, aren't we? <coughs> but in terms of him leaving, I don't think it's as impossible as, as everyone thinks it is. Um, we've had expensive strikers before and we've managed to get rid of them. Um, I think the loan for a couple of years is an option. Um, I think if we do need to get rid of him, don't be surprised if you see him going out on, on the two-year loan um, just to get his wages off the books so he can play somewhere else. Um, it's not with... yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But oh, That's a really expensive loan to get his wages off the books. His wages... Not, Realistically, not, even not, for that loan, because there are so few destinations where he can go. Not really. What Lukaku's on, what, 350k? A week? Yeah, who's paying that? Um, so 350k a week. No, it's but it's not really about who's paying it because we'll, we'll subsidize isn't it anything to get him off the books. <laughs> you, um, I, I don't, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna subsidize his wages to send him out alone. I really don't believe we're gonna get to that point. Uh, otherwise, otherwise we'd have sent out we'd have sent out uh, I'm, I'm just saying if he's not playing. Um, so 350k a week is about 18 to 20 mil a year. Um, so if you're saving 20 mil a season. Um, that's get that's that's basically how much we're paying Inter for him. Um, saving twenty mil a season plus lo- whatever loan fees whoever pays for him. This is all hypothetical, but I'm just saying it's not such a ridiculous proposition to think he could go out alone. But anyway, let's 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 move on from from Big Rom. I think we've discussed him uh, a lot already. Timson. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about Andreas Christian. Jensen, um, rumors have surfaced that he signed a pre-contract agreement with Barcelona. Um, is he a big miss if these rumors are tr- true? Um, how, how, what do you think about um, Andreas Christensen free? I like him, man. He's good. Uh, I think he is like, yeah, he's a miss. I don't know if I can call him a big miss. He's definitely a good player. Um, he's he's going to be missed for sure. How much of the miss really depends on 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 the the personnel we, we sign if we sign to replace him. Can we? I feel like I feel like yeah, man. When when I play from the academy leagues, there's always this feeling of yeah, we'll just get another one. And in normally when when people say I oh, will just get another one, unless it's like um, unless it's Mount where you can just get another one and you can just sell Mount and get put Gallagher in there and you have the same thing. Um, with Christensen, I feel like it's even it's even more like it's, it might be even more true, man. I feel like I feel like that we have the the talent percolating in, in the in the academy or, or out on loan, whereas or even even maybe potential that you know maybe players that we let out who maybe we could resign who could fill who could fill who could fill those boots. But yeah, it's all about the replacement because he's he's definitely going to be a good he's going to be good for Barcelona. He's a good centre back. He's really good on the ball. He's really solid. He's a really intelligent footballer. He, yeah, man, he's improved. He's improved it and he keeps improving, but. You know, as long as as long as as long as we get rid of them now and we get someone else and they get like a year of at least a year of uh, of of tutelage under the 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 great wings of Thiago Silva, I'm I'm not worried. I'm I'm not worried. Yeah, man. I feel like yeah, but just just with yeah, man. Cobble's there, just just percolating under the surface. I feel like I feel like some good things are coming in the future. It does worry me though because I just saw a picture of the um the France team, and yeah, man. Like I don't like I I don't really worry about height too often, but I because I heard I heard Kunde was 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 five uh, ten and 
that doesn't mean anything to me in it because I don't because I don't think about how often 5'10, 5'11, 5, that these those are just numbers to me. I saw him in a lineup now, standing next to everyone else in or a few other guys in the French team. Yeah, man. I don't know, man. Short defenders worry me, man. Yeah, they worry me. Just 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 a little bit. And I saw him and I was just like, at first I was like, nah, they must be standing on like a hill or side. And then I was like, nah, they can't. He like that's that's level ground. And I was like, ah, oh, they must be must be the sh- Everyone had the same shoes on. I was like, oh, oh wow. Oh, this is this is what this is what like the girls be feeling when they're like, oh man, I'll, I'll never do like he has to be six foot. I was like, rah, he really does need to be six foot if he's gonna be a, my center back. Like, nah, man, because it was just it, yeah, just worrying, man. Just just those aerial duels. Because obviously, Magari, maybe he's like um he's amazing aerially. I don't I don't know, but anytime we we concede from like a set piece, I'll be like. Damn it, man! If we had a six-foot centre back, maybe that maybe we had a chance, and we had a better, better opportunity there to defend. And like, yeah, man, it, just, it gets a bit sticky, especially if like if it's a regular occurrence, you start looking at your centre backs. Especially, yeah, regular regular centre set piece goals, you start looking at your centre backs. Funny thing, like, how how tall is this guy, man? And Kunde, yeah, man, I, I didn't, I wasn't worried about it before, and I heard good, I hear lots of good things about him. But yeah, uh, the height, the height, he's he's not as tall as I, I imagined. A centre back being, and that maybe maybe that's just me being, you know, superficial. No, I'll agree. Like, um, yeah, five ten is five. I, um, I'd like six one, six two as a minimum. Uh, Jerry, what's your take on Christensen? Um, as a player, um, in the current Chelsea squad, I don't have him in our best eleven. If we were to play like a cup final tomorrow, I have Thiago Silva in the back three. Um. I probably have Aspie or Trev right centre back, and obviously we have I have Rudy left centre back. Um, what's your take on Christensen? Uh, Timson, just bear me one second. Cool. Um, so I'll give my opinion on Christensen. Um, he's someone that obviously from the academy, there's a lot of love. Um, he kind of learned the tactical side of the game uh, in Germany. He came to prominence under Antonio in the Antonio Conte season. And um, he's had moments under Thomas Tuchel where in the middle of the back three, and sometimes at bright centre-back, he's shined, shined brightly, but he's never completely nailed down a starting position in, in, in the Chelsea team. And given the, the on and off status of the uh, contract situation, I'm not upset to see him go. And it wouldn't shock me if he thrives in a different league because he's not a physical... He He's a centre-back who probably doesn't relish the physical battle against physical defenders. And I'm talking about your, Antoni- your, your, your Antonios um, and, and players of that ilk. Uh, Jerry, what's your, what's your view on Christensen? Um, so for me, um, I think he's a, he's a quality player. Um, when he's on form, um, he's imperious. Uh, he's young-ish for a defender, so there are the periods that um, he's he 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 does let himself down. Um, I think having been at Chelsea for so long, um, for me, he, he's a known quantity. Um, obviously, we have Thiago Silva. Um, we've got Espelicueta, Rudiger. Um, at the moment, he's surrounded by experience. So when when he does have issues, um, there's someone there to step in. Um, but if if I was to pick between losing him and um, you know keeping him, I definitely pick him. I definitely pick uh, keeping him at the club. 
Um, I think he's 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 a quality defender. Um, and and when when he's like playing at his best, he's he's really good to watch. Um, he makes defending look so easy. <clears throat> and and he's he's at, at his best. He's he is one of the best. Um, but the the issue is, um, what what does he want? Um, and he's been at Chelsea for so long. I think he's won what two Premier Leagues, uh, FA Cup, um, Champions League. Club World Cup, uh, Super Cup. Listen, if he wants to leave, he's, he's, he's for a new challenge. He's not leaving with a bad resume. Um, and for me, I'm all about you know not not necessarily player power, but um, at the end of the day, it's his career. Um, if he wants to go to Barcelona, um, fair dues. Um, he can go 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 enjoy himself in that league. Um, but if, if if it was my decision uh, and we could keep him, I, I definitely would keep him because in as much as, you know, there are players out there that we could go and get, um, I think, number one, the defence is the, the least of our issues. Um, and I think the quality we have is sufficient, at least for the moment. Um, if, you, if you talk about uh, Levi Colwell, who's, who's impressing on loan, Think I don't think him and Christensen are competing for the same position. Um, so if anything, um, keeping Christensen and then adding Colwell next season when Aspilicueta leaves, um, that is Christensen and Chalobah in that for for that right centre back spot, and then Christensen and Thiago Silva for that center, uh, central uh, defender spot, and then Colwell and Rudiger. Uh, that's a really strong defence. Um, but. With any transfer, there, there are risks. So we're, we're going to have to take the risk if we if Christmas leaves and we ha- we go um, and get someone else. Um, and it's not. I can imagine after that billionaire money or new billionaire money, should I say, that clubs are going to um, expect us to, to to pay over the odds. So getting someone in is going to be expensive. Um, but yeah, with all that being said, um, I think. If, if he does leave, um, good luck to him. And it'll be interesting to see who, who we bring in. I think Kunde, the height thing doesn't bother me so much um, because um, we do have other defenders who will be in that in that key zone in front of the six-yard box. Um, and Tuchel does account for it. Um, if there are If there's a lack of height, he does tend to play other players um, and he speaks about it often. Um, who, who can fill in for that spot? Um, I think we spend a lot of our time, um, well, our defenders spend a lot of their time actually on the ball. So if you can get someone who's solid at ground jewels and is good on the ball, um, I think those two would outweigh um, maybe the, the worry about the height a little bit for me. Um, Saying that, I've never watched Kunde play. I have no idea what he's like. Um, all I've heard are reports. So he could be good. He could not be. Um, and I don't know who the, who the other targets are, but hey, it's going to be it's, it's going to be interesting. I think we we're linked to uh, Araujo at Barca as well. So if they want to throw in a swap, <laughs> actually, it's, it's free transfer, isn't it? But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, our defence looks like there's going to be a lot of uh, movement. Um, and that, that 
outside of Christensen leaving, it's the it's the it's the shakeup that that's worrying me because um, we could go into next season without Christensen, Rudiger, and Aspilicueta, and I think that's that's a bit too much turnover for my liking. Cool. Um, and on that note, I think we'll call we'll put this bring this podcast to a close. I want to thank Free. Thank you for joining, um, Jerry. Always a pleasure. And thank you to you, the listener. Um, your support is always greatly appreciated. Just, uh, just, just a note before we finish. Um, Chelsea hour this Sunday. Uh, we'll be playing against Touchagunas, I believe, uh, in the Touchline Fives. So, um, kickoff is at three. If you want to get down to goals, um, you check on the socials for the information. <coughs> And support, sorry, <coughs> and support, you're welcome. Um, as much as it doesn't sound like it, I will be playing. Um, if you want to get involved with Touchline Fives, um, just send a message to the Chelsea Hour um, uh, Twitter account and, and someone will get back back to you. Um, and yeah, just watch out, watch out for that. Cool. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. Right, cool. And we're done. The greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club. European champions. They've beaten Bayern in their own backyard. They've found the Holy Grail. After adventure, fraught with danger. And Drogba may never play for Chelsea again. Sports Social Podcast Network.